We're on this series in the Holy Spirit, and I had a plan, but now I have it changed slightly. I, I think I want to talk about the, the characteristic of joy that the Holy Spirit brings and puts in people. You know, like if you want to know the mark of someone who's full of God, it's usually there's some kind of radiant joy that doesn't need words to express it. Um, our eight-year-old granddaughter was here for the kids' camp, and she loved it. Thanks for all the... I heard there were about 100 people, 100 volunteers <laughs> through the week that were part of that, and I think there were at least 50 each day with working and ministering with the kids. But So Ellie um, is going to pray for dinner, and, and at her house, they don't normally pray, so she prays. And she, and she wanted to pray, and so she thanked God for the food and asked him to make it, um, make it good for our bodies. That's what she prayed. And then she said, and fill us with joy. In Jesus' name, amen, you know. And I said, Allie, that was a good prayer, because how many know when you're filled with joy, you're usually presenting you're presenting something good to the people around you. And I said, Ellie, that's a really good prayer because I need to be filled. With, when I'm not filled with joy, sometimes I regret how I am. If any of you ever had that problem, like your joy tank just gets too low and you're, you're grouchy or fearful or, you know, joy has like courage, faith, love, uh, you know, all things are possible when you're filled with joy. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and fill us with this uncreated joy and, and release into our heart your infinite possibilities. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So this is roughly on the, on the topic of the Holy Spirit, but I just feel like we're in a season of invitation to the waters of infinite possibility. The reason I say infinite, you know, it sounds like, oh, what's he talking about? But do you understand there's no end to the possibilities that God brings? There's no end to God's goodness. There's no end to his wisdom. There's no end to how hilarious and glorious and powerful and terrifying will be the day of his coming where all the promises are fulfilled in ways none of us expected. <laughs> and then it's just a new beginning. Come on. You know, it's the, it's the picture of the river. It, it keeps flowing and it's different every day, but it's always the same. The, uh, so we, no doubt we live in maybe the most challenging times in, in centuries, in decades, a few weeks, you know, depending on <laughs> your perspective. But, you know, we, we're, we're witnessing the attempt at repaganization of, you know, coming from centers of influence, the current federal regime pushing absolutely bizarre policies that are unconnected to reality. 
and academia, media, education. And so we can get focused on that, and that's like listening to Goliath all day long if we're focused on it. You understand? <laughs> I mean, it's the, Goliath was there, but you didn't want to get your prognosis from Goliath shouting, his usual defiance. <laughs> and so, but, you know, God has the final word, and so... Actually, God is, he's looking for Davids who, you know, David was discouraged by his brothers. The king said, no, no, no. You know, you're a youth. He's been a man of war. And, uh, and then David told him about the lion and the bear. And he said, oh, okay, well, put on my armor. And that didn't work. And David went, not because of his, how he was seen by people, but how he saw God. And so I just want to invite us, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals to us things that the Father and the Son have cooking. (laughs) And so I love this, and it's all there, and it's all in God. And sometimes I I want to just start with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created, he created the heavens and the earth. And, and it was chaotic and, you know, there, and, but I just, it's really interesting in the Hebrew, it says in the beginning, God created, I'll spare you my Hebrew, but you could, you could go there and then it comes to heavens, which would be uh, the mash, hamashai, oh, well, forget it. See, that's why I'm sparing you my Hebrew. I know the, the earth is haaretz, right? And uh, shemayim, thank you. <laughs> Toda. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, anyway, Shemayim. But before heaven and before earth, there's these two little Hebrew letters. It's Aleph and Tav. They're the beginning and the end of the Hebrew alphabet. And they're untranslated, but they're all through the Old Testament. And, you know, people understand that they call them, they're a marker that means the next word is the direct object. So he created, boom, the heavens. But the rabbis and the scholars and, you know, the, the mystics, they said, huh, very interesting. This is the Aleph and the top, the beginning and the end. This is when Jesus spoke to John and he said, I'm the Alpha and Omega. If he was speaking Hebrew, he might have said, you know, <laughs> however you say I am in Hebrew, Aleph Vatav. You know, so... The A to Z, like everything is in between. So it has this connotation that everything, it's like, and, and so we see it in this concept in John 1, and all things were created by the word, and without him, nothing was created. And so, you know, and some, some you know, these are, these are like devotional thoughts, or, you know, may or may not be eternally true, we'll find out in heaven, but the, the, some uh, rabbis believe that when, when God said, and God created, and then it says, Aleph Tav, that the first thing he created was the alphabet, you know, the, the Hebrew alphabet, and out of that, everything else came. I have no idea how that works, but do you understand? God's got it from beginning to end. And everything that's going on right now in your life, in the world, is between the beginning and the end. And Jesus said, I am the beginning and the end. I am 
the Aleph and the Tav, the Alpha and Omega. It's like, so he's got this, even though we can't figure out like what on earth. And so the amazing thing is when we, when we grasp that, it fills us with joy. It takes the pressure off, even though everything could fall apart next week, you know. Yeah, the, the great reset, the end of the dollar, which by the way has been prophesied, <laughs> like people have written books and books and books, the day the dollar died, 1979, you know, 1980. So it hasn't died yet, but it may, you know, it's like, but if the dollar dies, God doesn't die. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, so we have really bad economic policies, but God's got it. He is... He's El Shaddai, you know, he's the one who provides. Okay, so, but and how this works is that the Holy Spirit is at work in the midst. He, the Holy Spirit, there was darkness on the face of the deep, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep, which became called the waters. And so God, he takes, the Holy Spirit's drawn to the dark places to transform them. Come on, this is what, what, and so often we are too. And these are the infinite possibilities. A few weeks ago I was speaking and we were looking at Ezekiel 47, which talks about this river, this water that was coming out from under the threshold to the temple, and that as it flowed, it got deeper and bigger, even though it started with a small source, had no tributaries. And by the time Ezekiel, you know, it gets ankle deep, then it gets knee deep, then it gets hip deep. And then it, by the time he's out, actually more than a mile in terms of cubits, it's now water so deep that he says he can't cross over it, he has to swim. What's amazing is I feel like we're in a season where God is bringing these impossible situations and he's calling people into this moment to bring change, to bring life, to stand up like a David, like an Esther, and just believe God. Or like a Mordecai, you know? <laughs> and train up your niece to be a world change. I'm just saying, and so... And the good news is, Ezekiel 47, 9 says, wherever the river goes, everything will live where the river goes. So when the waters of life touch a situation, it brings life. So you are the antidote to death. If the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then he will quicken your mortal body. And that quickening will, it is something that's too big for your body. So it spills over. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And that drink that you take will release something inside you called communion with God. And out of it will flow rivers of living water. When he said rivers of living water, to us it just sounds, oh, that's poetic. But to them, they're really thinking like, wow, like Ezekiel 47, rivers of living water. Like Eden, where one river turned into four. You know, so there's different backgrounds and understandings. And we are in the midst of so many opportunities and there are these crazy breakthroughs and we've seen healings, we've seen deliverances, we've seen, you know, I, I mean, sometime in the last year, year or 15 months, we saw a baby that was there in the womb and then wasn't there and then came back twice as big four days later, you know, with no explanation that, and this baby's alive and well and it's a little boy. 
you know, might probably here in the church today, but I didn't check on it. But I mean, see, we're seeing these things. And here's the thing, breakthroughs don't have a limited number, like, oh, well, you were too late. But it's like the breakthrough for one person makes releases something that now it's easier for the next people to, to pass through. So I, I just want to take a little time and talk about some, some crazy wild breakthroughs because, I, and I'm just saying, God is looking for people who will believe. God is looking for people who will say, Holy Spirit, if you fill me and I'm full of you, then nothing is impossible that you've said. But if we're watching Goliath day in, day out on smartphones, which make you dumb, on, you know, on social media, I don't know why they call it, they should call it anti-social media because it replaces face-to-face, mealtime friendships with all these artificial relationships where people you don't know can either like you or hate you and you can feel good or bad for no reason that has anything to do with anything. Just saying. So God, deliver us from the current age. So out here, I'm just gonna highlight a few David kind of stories here. So my, I love, my, Mosin Matters is my friend, but I need to call him Mike. Mike Mosin and Soha, Soha Abaud are husband and wife. They both came from Egypt to America, so they're Egyptian Americans. They can walk like an Egyptian, just in case you need a, a, an example of that. But but um, so Mosin goes by Mike, and it's important that I use call him Mike because he start he has this burden for Egypt, and so Abby and Jim Abelness invited them to come to these this uh, gathering in Oklahoma, and and uh, and anyway they made connections there, and so Mike and. Soha or Mosin and Soha were commissioned as apostles with a calling to Egypt. And, and John Benefield, who's a, a wonderful apostolic man of great integrity, recognized this on them and they commissioned them. And you know, when that happens, there's a release and an increase of authority. And so, so um, Mike, I'm going to keep calling him Mike because he started a travel company called Travels with Mike with a, this vision to take people to Egypt on tours of the, where the Holy Family, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, Jose, Maria, y Jesus, spent three and a half years. And so, you know, most non-Catholics blow it off like, oh, who cares or anything? But I'm telling you, if you were in Egypt and the fact that the creator of the universe spent three and a half years being carried around and maybe walking around uh, a little bit as a toddler for three and a half years, that would be significant. And so the Coptic church, the ancient church of Egypt, uh, you know, has identified, and this is actually a current issue, a, a current archaeological issue, because they're uncovering confirmation of this. They, they've identified 25 places where Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were for a period of time. And so Mike is taking a tour to, you know, introduce some of this to all of you that might want to go along. It's in September. But here's what's wild. So he's been going back and forth to Egypt trying to develop relationships and things. But Mosin, or Mike, is also a, a painter, I think fairly self-taught painter, like Grandma Moses, for any of you that are old enough, primitive painter. But he's, he's good. You know, it's great. His paintings are beautiful. And uh, so he sent some of them to Egypt, and they had an art show. 
So here's the, the thing where it turns into a God story. So he goes there to have this art exhibit and you know meet people and stuff, and it gets on national television. So here behind me, there's Mohsen being interviewed by national TV in Egypt and talking about his paintings. And it actually, the, the stories made it into the national newspapers of Egypt as well. So suddenly, Mike, or Mohsen, I'm sure they call him Mohsen there, but he's, he, they know who he is. It's very interesting because somehow he, you know, he, he grew up Coptic and he had, an, he had an appointment to meet with the, you know, the bishop of bishops of the Coptic church who's called Pope Tawadros II. He's the bishop of Antioch and he's the patriarch of the Holy See of St. Mark, not St. Peter, that's in the Vatican, but St. Mark is in Alexandria, I believe. I could be wrong, but, the, uh, but we'll keep going. <laughs> no, I think that's where it is. But, so they were, had an appointment to meet, but the bishop, uh, the Pope, Pope Tawadros, um, had to be in the hospital for some kind of medical condition, and he texted Mike and said, oh, I'm so sorry we didn't meet, and I want you to meet you next time you come back. Let me know. And he says, okay, I'm coming back in September, but I'll be bringing a group of American Christians with me. Do you still want to meet? And the Pope said, oh, the, all the better. So, you know, I'm just saying, if you go on this trip with Mike, you never know, you might uh, have an amazing experience. But here's what's even more incredible. Why I think this is more of a God story than like, oh, that's good. First of all, you realize there's no marketing, there's no advanced team, like, hey, get the word out. And this just happened. And then the second thing is, is that, that the president, al-Sisi of Egypt, which is a Muslim-majority country, and, and a few years ago it was being terrorized absolutely by the Muslim Brotherhood, burning down churches and persecuting, and it's still going on to some degree. But al-Sisi said, you know, we need to declare, and it was suggested by Pope Tuadras, but the president backed it up, and June 1st has been declared a national holiday. It's the day the whole, it's the, when the Holy Family entered Egypt. This is like, you can't make this happen. You know, it's like, and so this is crazy. So in other words, they have made a national holiday on the day that Jesus set foot in Egypt. I just think this is wild. And there are other countries that are opening up in the most amazing way. So now here's another one. Abby, Jim and Abby Abelness, you can wave. Hey, there they are. Okay, so the, we've known them for over 20 years. They've been part of our leadership, part of, you know, for a long time. And Abby has this unique and amazing calling to heads of state, governmental people working kind of ambassadorially. And, and they've been also recognized by John Benefield and commissioned as apostles for this, this uh, ministry to Head, you know, governments, heads of state, you know that she's very involved in prayer in the capital and, and leads the most amazing prophetic tours of the capital, which if you've never been on one, they are well worth your time. And, uh, and she's been working for a number of years on the, a film on the life of William Penn. 
And John Leach plays a, 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 a little part in it, so you want to see it. But this film has been years in production, filmed in England and in America, and uh, it will release on October 14th. You know, so this is great. So it, in this time, Abby's come to, has studied the life and writings of William Penn, become somewhat recognized as a scholar in this area, and, uh, and she had written an article that was published on on William Penn's vision for global peace. And it just so happens, okay, the film's getting released October 14th. On October 24th, she's been invited to speak to the a plenary session of the United Nations and on the topic of global peace and unity, revisiting Penn's vision for the League of Nations. And, so, and this was published in the UN special magazine that goes out to all their agencies. You can't make this stuff happen, you know? It's like, like... God is doing something. And, he, and what he does for one, it's like there's an open door here to step into callings and destinies. You know, we can miss opportunities, but our destiny, the purpose of our life is settled in heaven. You know, so we can miss opportunities, get a late start, but I'm telling you, God can open doors. You know, there was an 80-year-old guy who was so discouraged and depressed and he lost all vision for his life. He was hurting his father-in-law's sheep herd out in the desert, which is a really bad job, especially at 80. Can you imagine sleeping on the ground when you're 80? And, he, and God just lights this bush on fire and it doesn't go out, gets his attention, tells him to take his shoes off. And, and commissions him, and he's gonna spend the next 40 years of his life changing the world and leading the captive people of God out of slavery into the promised land. Just saying. So stuff happens, okay, and then, then there's, we've got Edgar, Yadira, um, you know, many of you know they came as immigrants. Edgar's been very involved in, and they're a, a tremendous blessing to us as all of our people are, but they've been very involved in, in outreach and, and food distribution in the Northeast, and Edgar keeps getting recruited by political groups to come and gather groups of Hispanic pastors, and this is, you just show up as an immigrant, you know. God does things if, if we'll say yes sometimes, you know, that's, and so this is an interesting story that, you know, because Edgar had gone to Guatemala, led a general to the Lord, blah, 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 I got invited to come to the general on a Zoom call, said, I want you to come meet my family, which, you know, that was much more to that than that. So we thought, well, okay, we better get prepared here because this is going to turn into something governmental. And a friend of mine, Mario Bromnik, uh, who lives in Miami, was doing, and doing this, this uh, Bless Israel and Ministry to the Government of Guatemala event in Guatemala City. In fact, um, Abby was there. I don't know if, if Jim went as well, but they... So, so I, I was going to go, but I couldn't go. I, I was invited to go, and I said, Edgar, I want you to go. And he says, ah, oh, well, you know, I won't know anybody. And I said, well, just go, and, you know, you'll figure out who the people are, and... and this will work well. So he's in this meeting. He's at the back of the room, and it's a meeting with the president, who I think just lost the last election. But um, <laughs> but President Jamadi is that what his name? Yeah, President Jamadi's getting up, addressing this whole room of dignitaries. And Edgar's in the back, and he sees him in the back, and he goes, "Hey, Edgar, is that you?" And Edgar's like, "He goes, I haven't seen you in years. Where have you been?" <laughs> so, and then he says, "Edgar, come up here to the front." 
You can't make this stuff happen. After that, everyone wanted to meet Edgar, you know, and so, so, but anyway, then we went to Peru and all this stuff happens and, and we're, you know, the Congress, the Ministry of Defense, the Army, the National Police, they all, and pastors, they all want us to come back. And Cheon went and Mario Bromnik went and Yadira translated for everybody. I don't know how, to, like, <laughs> that was the hardest job, you know, and the, uh, but she didn't make it look hard. She made it look easy. So the, so we're going back, and Edgar's talking to this general, and the general says, oh, tell Pastor Charles he should start a humanitarian foundation. This is just like, you know, three weeks after we get back, and I go, oh, God. That, that is so ridiculous. Like, yeah, with my, I need a tax shelter for my billions of dollars, you know, and do some humanitarian work. And uh, so I, but then I, the next morning, it came to my mind, and I said, okay, God, it's so ridiculous. Maybe it's you. If it's you, bring it to me. So I did a few things, reached out to a few people like, hey, is there anyone I should talk to? I don't know what a foundation is. Now I do. But, um, but what happened was later that day or the next day, an old friend of mine from 50 years ago in California called me. We were like hippie Jesus people in Santa Cruz uh, in 1973. He calls me and says, hey, I want to tell you about, and we've stayed in touch, you know, and he's still doing ministry. And it, he, he said, I want to tell you about our 50-year anniversary trip to Europe. It got delayed three years by COVID, but it was really awesome. So it's a phone message. So I'm driving to work, and I think, okay, I'm going to call Dennis because, you know, I, I've got 15 minutes here, and I'll just listen to his joy and and he can tell me about his trip. So it was all wonderful and amazing. And he says, but the most amazing thing that happened is we met this billionaire in Switzerland. Well, no, that's interesting. Not too many of those laying around. And, and, and it, it's a whole story how he met him. But the guy uh, was a farm boy, humble guy, but he just worked really hard and done all these businesses that have been successful. But he says, yeah, he's got, I went to his house and he, he started telling me, he got a phone call from the World Food Program saying, hey, would you, um, you know, we're looking, we're not happy with our current distributors. We would like you to help us distribute our $6 billion a year food bu budget distri for distribution of food. And, and he really, he said, well, I have a little airline in Alaska, but I, I would need some planes. And thank you for calling me. The next day, a guy he knew from Florida called him and said, hey, I got all these 747s, and um, I, I just lost a couple contracts. I've got two of them. You can just take over the lease. You don't have to buy them or anything. Just, you know, get, get them off my books. And he's saying, like, oh, is God in this? And so, so anyway, this a whole series of events happen, and then he finds out this whole leasing company is up for sale and actually... <laughs> was headed into receivership on Friday. And, uh, and, so, and God started bringing a team together of people that had a vision for humanitarian aid. And, and, uh, and so it just keeps going. It's like God is doing something wild and crazy. And so it could end up being a for-profit freight airline that will you know, use its profits to, to fund Missions, because any if we took an offering like, hey, we need five hundred thousand dollars for fuel so we can fly this plane, and not too many people would just go, oh, great! You know, I was waiting for that so I can write a check. But it's it's like so this has turned into this wild adventure. But the latest thing that just happened is um, that 
he had a certain kind of airline license that only allowed him to fly a few planes and they always had to go uh, leave the US, come back to the US. But this, the license up there, it's called a FAA 121, is what Lufthansa and United and Delta have. They can you know, fly to Brazil and then to Congo and then to wherever they want. You know? So um, just like a couple days ago, there was a, a freight airline in Maine that is in Chapter 7 bankruptcy, and they have this license available, which normally takes years and costs $20 million to acquire, and they might get it for pennies on the dollars. But it's all, I mean, it's only a possibility. This is how God works, and this is how faith works. You, you know, possibilities come up, and God will say, will you trust me? <laughs> And, and so you say yes, and sometimes you get to the end of the branch, and that's it. You know, like, it, there's no guarantee that you're going to be, you know, amazing and successful, but you will be faithful, and you will have the experience that you trusted God, and you're building your resume of faith that will be used later, because maybe you get to the end of that branch, and then like the squirrel, you see a branch that's like, well, I don't know if I can make that, and you just jump, because there's a, a bobcat running down the branch <laughs> behind you, so you go, ah, and you catch the next branch, and it takes you to what you were made for. I'm just saying, so, okay. So I, I feel like what it does is when the waters are too deep, this is where Mary found herself when Gabriel told her what was going to happen and she said, how can this be? And his answer was basically, I mean, he explained it a bit, but he, then he said, and nothing is impossible with God. With God, nothing is impossible. So some of you, I'm, the reason I'm saying this is I think there are a number of people here today and watching online that maybe you feel like, man, I have followed this track out and I feel like I'm at the end of the branch. And if God, I mean, do you understand, even though this guy, you know, it has all this net worth, everybody's got cash flow issues, you know, and, and it's like, because it's all invested and at work and doing things, and we're all in this situation. We take whatever we have, we reinvest it, and so we're always in this situation where we need God to show up and provide. And can anyone relate? So I just want to say, if you feel like, God, I, you've brought these possibilities to me, you've got this thing going on, and it could, it could be something someone else would go, oh, that's no big deal, but to you, it's a massive deal. It may have nothing to do with money, it might have to do with health or family or a relocation or something God's telling you to do, but I'm saying when you get to that point where you know, unless God shows up, I'm not gonna make it, this is when you need the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with uncreated joy and uncreated courage. So if, if you, I, I know there's a number of you that, you know, and some people you're just like, hey, man, it's good. Everything's peaceful now. I don't want to mess it up. And I just, I just say, enjoy it. It's like Shabbat, you know, you're recharging, you're getting resettled and then, but God is dynamic and there's always more. You know, and we never get too old for an adventure. And so if you're in a situation where you say, God, I actually need you to show up because I've followed this trail as far as it goes and I can't see any way to get across the chasm. Would you just raise your hands? 
Okay, good. I know this won't be everybody, but it's quite a few. And actually, why don't you just stand up because I think we're all gonna pray that for you. <laughs> okay, so, well, and I love it. I love it. I just see this, this is like faith in action, right? So God, we thank you. <laughs> and some of you are thinking like, well, actually, now that I think about it, I should stand up too. So that's great. Because God, thank you for faith in action. Thank you that you call us to things that are too big for us that we can't do without you intervening, providing, making a way, providing wisdom, bringing connections. God, that it's all too big for us. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would inundate us, that you would fill us with life and light, with the Aleph and the Tav, that at everything, it, you've got it from beginning to end, that you you would fill us with an ir, irrational joy, not irrational, but super rational joy that's beyond our understanding, the joy of heaven. We pray for power, we pray for release, we pray for anointing, we pray for, for um, meeting the right people, making the right connections, for the right opportunities. We pray that you would fix things that are broken, that need to run, that you would get rid of things that are working, but they're actually in the way, that you would resort and reposition our lives, and you would set us up for this breakthrough season. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. All right. Okay, sit down, and uh, this will be a pretty short sermon after this point. But I feel like this is where we're at. I mean, this is where we're at. Like, God is moving. There's a harvest. People are being swept into the kingdom. And yet, there's always more than just, like, fixing our little corner. All right. So, even though that's very important. So there's always an invitation. God gives this invitation to, and you know who he sends this invitation to? He sends his invitation out to the people who are thirsty that feel like, I, I need I needed this or I'm gonna die. I'd say I need a drink or I'm gonna die, but it sounds like that would be bad uh, for, in some context, all right? But I need water, <laughs> the water. I'm thirsty for what is significant, what is, what is the fullness of life. And he invites the thirsty, he invites the broke, and he invites those who are worn out. Listen to this, Isaiah 55. Ho, or come, you know, ho is like they're trying to get your attention. Ho, everyone, I know this by heart in the King James. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Ho, come, everyone who thirsts. Come to what? The waters. See, these are the waters of life. And so, what, and when he's saying it, it says, are you really fulfilled or do you feel like there's something missing? And it's, it's not some psychological thing like you need to change your gender or change your name or change your pronoun or get more money or any of those things. It's like, no, when I'm fulfilled is when I'm filled with God. You know, when I'm filled with peace, when I'm filled with joy that's coming from I don't know where. And so, um, oh, everyone, come everyone who thirsts. And then, then he says, well, what about if you're broke? You know, I have all these opportunities, but I don't have any money. This is no problem. Listen, there's the rest of verse one, 55, one B. And he who has no money, 
come buy and eat. What? You can't do that. No, you can't unless God pays for it. So see, he's inviting, I mean, one, he's inviting us into the provision. Thank you. He paid, I had a debt I couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't know. This is good. You know, this is called salvation. He nailed all our debts to the cross. But literally, when you have no resources, he still says, go ahead, walk forward. This is how missionaries go to the airport sometimes, right? Like, I don't have a ticket. I don't have any money. I mean, anyway, I, I, I know this personally on a small scale. I know people on a big scale that just live this way. If, because if God is telling you when you follow him, he'll provide. And if he doesn't, you learn a lesson, you know? But it's like, unless you step out, you'll never know. So come, um, no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. This is actually one of the last messages of God in the entire Bible. Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. And he let the one who hears come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. In other words, if you will obey God, he will provide. Now, he may not provide at the time you want him to provide. It's like, all right, God, where's the money? And he knows, like, okay, God, next week we go into bankruptcy. Where's the money? He goes, okay, I'll be with you through bankruptcy. He's present in trouble. Do you understand? I mean, it's that willingness to risk and then the staying in love even when you risk and you feel like you failed and everyone's telling you like you failed and God in the middle of the night comes to you and says, good job, you trusted me. Now you're gonna start a whole new chapter of your life. Do you know that most millionaires have had bankruptcy? Now I'd have to say, you know, multi-millionaires because of, of um, inflation. But it, it's just like, okay, we have to take it to the edge sometimes. All right, now, we will wrap this up. Psalm 126. When you know the Lord, there is a joy that doesn't make sense. Psalm 126, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, or in the King James, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, he goes to that which has been stolen and he restores it. This is how salvation works and much more. You know, it's like when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Can you imagine the setting of this is, is Cyrus, they've now been sent back to, to rebuild first the temple, then, then this whole city of Jerusalem. Do you understand when they knocked on the door and said, hey, you, we're, we're taking you. The king has given orders. He's paid for it and everything. We're all going to Jerusalem. You don't understand. They were writing like, man, we were thought we were in a dream. Like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Oh my gosh. And they're remembering the glories that they've heard of, of David and Solomon and, and all the promises. And it's just like, they, we were, our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue was singing. That was from God. <laughs> and our tongue was shouts of joy, ringing Christ. And then people recognized that in the nations, they said among the Gentiles, the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then there was Thanksgiving. Yes, he has done great things for us, finally. <laughs> Sometimes when you've been suffering, you sort of get an attitude, right? But 
God heals our attitude with, with breakthrough, you know. And, and the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad, which is the state we should all try to be in. Um, and then there's prayer for more, prayer for more restoration. Oh, turn again our captivity or restore our fortunes, O Lord. Why? Because when they arrived, guess what? They looked around, they saw burnt stones, they saw everything in shambles. There were wild animals and all the fields were overgrown and there were Sanballats and Tobias who said, what are you guys doing here? And they're looking around going, boy, this is a fixer upper. Like, we didn't know it was like that. Talk about a money pit. Fortunately, the king had sent the money, you know, so, so they got it, and they got it done through Nehemiah's leadership, but that's why they're praying. Restore our fortunes again, God, like the streams in the Negev, like, like a wadi, God. We don't even know where it's coming from, but send flash floods because we need it, you know, and it's like this overwhelming release of God's blessing. And then, you know, the last few verses are all hope. You know, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. They go out crying and they, and they come back with joy because God is in it. He who goes out with weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come again, or surely he will for sure come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. In other words, it's gonna work. Is this wild? I mean, this is like, this is our life with the Lord. You know, we come into his presence, all, you know, we just get, we have encounters with him and we're filled with joy, which fills us with courage, which fills us with faith, which releases love, which causes us to see what God sees. And then we go back out into the fixer upper world and we just, we need to, I mean, there's just this outpouring of the river of God right now. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace so that you overflow, that you abound, that so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you abound in hope, which is the confident expectation that what we're seeing with Goliath on the hill defying the armies of God is a temporary situation. And when everyone else is like shaking in their boots, running away, that he's looking for partners who will say like, what's this uncircumcised Philistine? Who does he think he is that he's defying the armies of the living God? Who does, you know, I mean, just name it, you know, but I won't name it because I defend people, but I mean, I, well, I'll just say, for all you watching in California, who does Governor Newsom think he is? <laughs> to lecture anyone on how to run a state, you know? But anyway, would you stand up? I just wanna bless you with unreasonable joy. And I, I had original plans, which I, I scrapped in the first service, that I was gonna go through 1 Peter chapter one, which is written to the exiles, the elect, the chosen who are living in exile. And, uh, and in it, he, we, I want you to know, you have an inheritance that's being guarded in heaven. You can miss an opportunity, but you won't miss your inheritance. He's given you the down, not the down payment, the earnest money of the Holy Spirit. Like the, uh, he has given you his pledge. And so we're just gonna call that back. And, uh, and, but I love this 
this statement in 1 Peter 1.8, which I think describes every believer who is in communion with God. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Anybody say yes to that? Like, why do we love him? We haven't seen him. Ah, but somehow he makes himself known, doesn't he? Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Like there's something that this is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, that he causes us to love Jesus, even though we, I mean, I've, I've had a couple visions of Jesus where I could see, I could, with my eyes open, where I could see through him, but they're very fleeting moments, you know, and they, and they were significant, but I love him. I don't have to see him to love him, and you don't have to see him to love him. The Holy Spirit makes known to you the love of God. I'm just saying. So, do you feel, I just stand and Holy Spirit, we pray and we believe that Jesus will be glorified. We pray that you would empower us. We pray that you would fill us. We pray you would release gifts and callings in this season. We thank you for opportunities that are way too big for us, opportunities that we know we can't do in our own strength or our own wisdom, with our own resources. And we just say yes to the things you call us to. God, I pray there would be a release of joy, a filling of joy, an overflow of joy. I pray you'd come and just saturate us, God, with this, this energy of heaven, this positive conviction that when we see and we hear Goliath, that we know that's temporary and what you're doing is forever. We thank you that you caused us to be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of that incorruptible, eternal, immortal seed of the word of God. From alpha to omega, from olive to tav, from A to Z, we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.